and welcome to the last show of Lawfully Chaotic for 2022. Thank you for joining. 2022, and only right. the English, only the English poppins can like you know the poppins. The poppins. Right, give you um, you know. Yeah, thank you, everyone. <laughs> yeah, do it, Barry. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go full like. We're going to an accent tonight. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll go full Northern England. I think. Hello. I've got, uh, I've got Good evening, everyone. All right. <laughs> Bunch of jerks on television. It'll be our version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas, oh, Christmas tree. Christmas tree. <laughs> your campaign. You guys all get a Christmas special tonight. <laughs> oh, we're special every night, Barry. You know that. <laughs> uh, welcome uh, to our last episode of Lawfully Chaotic for 2022. Uh, episode 40 um Ooh. we are taking a break after this we're gonna uh do some programming planning we're gonna do some graphic updates um i'm gonna get sharon a logo i got jason's logo it's now in the in the overlay down below you can see that uh so sharon yours is next um and we are going to be back on uh, the first thursday of the new year and uh, we've decided that that will be season two. So we're gonna we're gonna <gasps> start a new two. season every year. Yeah, I think we actually I think this show actually started in twenty. What the, what year is this? Twenty two. I think this actually started in twenty twenty one. But that's okay. You know, I mean, that was the, <laughs> the end of the, the end of twenty one was the pilot season worked into uh, season one so anyway yeah. um but thank you for joining us tonight or thank you for watching on vod if you're watching after the fact um as with me always are my awesome awesome co-hosts who i could not do this show without sharon smith very yeah. bye and jason baldrick the storyteller of ttrpg Academy. hello 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 toppins tonight, to you, toppins right tonight we are going to be talking about <laughs> the gods of dungeons and dragons all of them the good ones oh, the bad man. ones the ones that just sit there and do nothing we shall discuss them all but first any announcements <laughs> sharon <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, you know, I, mean, I don't really strange. have anything. No, it's sorry, more so than usual. <laughs> I can't even do a different one. So, uh, for tonight, I do not have anything uh, updates-wise. I mean, I'm still reading Dragonlance, which is a really great, by the way. If you guys haven't had a chance, it's wonderful. And oh, also, oh, actually, um, one D and D released uh, a new module and. Uh, and also, there's new trailers for the D and D movie. Yes, probably, there are. We should definitely review those uh, next year. Maybe that will be the kicker, the banger. Yes, the banger. 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 Crack on, <laughs> jolly good. Right, yes, Jason. Do you have any announcements for tonight? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> boy, this is a train wreck with no train. Do you, do you it's a great story. <laughs> Frederick. You ever see uh, Young Frankenstein? Remember Young Frankenstein? Do you well, know yeah, was uh, it Frederick? Oh, yes. Okay, Jason, let's get back to business. Announcements, please. Yes. So, 2023 is going to be a busy year. So, I am happy to say goodbye to 2022. Um, so, 2023, I am revamping all my logos with RPG and Co. Mm -hmm. um, so, all my new logos will be out for the new year. Um, we will probably um, uh, be announcing the um, 
Yes, it did three miles down. Giggle Juice opened early tonight. Uh, And I'll be announcing our new schedule. And we'll be officially breaking ground in the next week on Studio 2.0. Our new 250 square foot studio that's going to look exactly like a tavern. Uh, We're having a new table commissioned, new cameras, new lights. Wow. Um, Yeah, we're uh, putting some budget into this new studio that's um, you know, spend that it while is, you have it because it may never come really freaking exciting yeah so that's, that's all been awesome. reconfigured and ready to go i've got uh so you uh, need to do you need to do during the process uh photo uh, uh archive history <laughs> yeah yeah we yeah, are exactly. take, um i actually have chesare is <laughs> chesare is going to be doing the remodel so he does professional production work um, and, uh, that's, oh, you know, Chez? Because, yeah, Chez will be doing the remodel for me. That's very um, cool. So it'd be a lot of fun. Came up with an amazing design trick. Um, we're going to build it like a studio set so that every six months we could change the interior if we want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be <laughs> panels that attach to the wall. That's um, awesome. and then you could just pull the panels off and put new panels up whenever Velcro? you want to, um, I, he he's got a whole new system. I don't. He's it's a slider, probably. That'd be fun. Well, and where the bar is going to be, because we are going to build a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be panels that open and close, so that when we take a break during game, we open the panel into the bar and we turn on a camera. And oh, while man. our you know wait we're on break, we'll be at the bar drinking from the kegs and you know drinking with our tankards, and we'll put someone behind the bar. So we'll take our fifteen minute break. <laughs> Yeah, you know, at the bar, you know. That's so awesome. yeah, okay. I am. I am actually going to fly out every week to play. <laughs> every week, and I surfed the Google picks like crazy, looking at everybody's build. Yeah, um, and brought in about three that I really loved. What folks did. Um, I also went out to a couple of your suggestions, Bear. Um, in regards, remember when we did if like all the theme restaurants and theme bars? Yeah. I went out to their websites and picked up some snapshots to. Oh, like the Broken in. Wand? Uh, there's Broken Wand and one up in Canada that hasn't opened yet. The bar. Oh, in actually, it has opened. Griffin. Yeah, they've started opening their bookings for the uh, the Shire, the boroughs. Yes. You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to. I will come out there once and the three of us will go to one of these places and do a show from one of these places. Ooh, and then you guys so, come out to yeah. here and we'll go to the one in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And we'll yes. Oh, like I'd love to go to Lake Geneva. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. Hey, Fatal, what are you doing? Good to see you. Awesome. Well, that that. Is that really is truly exciting news? That's I can't wait to see it. That's yeah, it's been a long time in the making, and you know, it's cool. It's it's, I'm excited. 2023 is going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Awesome, very, very cool. We don't know yet. I'm thinking of um, picked a name yet? No, because it's you know, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna absolutely. We just go to Bristol, (laughs) (laughs) given. I want it to be maybe a um uh like a, like a what do you call it like a oh, fuck brain fart um oh call it a, brain fart no it's I want it to be like where tavern. everybody out in the world gets to try to name it make it a contest oh yeah 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 like yeah. a naming contest yeah so, I like that the leaking yeah. cauldron or or no too leak- close to leaking anus I want to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it, but there it is. 
The about, only uh, snacks we have are <laughs> chips made from Olestra here <laughs> at the Leaky <laughs> Oh, that would be a disgusting mess, I assure you. <laughs> All right. Um, well, very cool. That's awesome. So anyway. Um, what about you, Brian? Oh, cool me, announcement. Yes, um, now it's your turn. I'm just, you know, I'm just working away. I, I got all kinds of stuff going on. I'm uh, working on another cool brand um, for a, a kind of gaming within uh, within the uh, community. It's a coffee company called Sacrificial Grounds. Whoa, yeah, that is a great. good name. And he is, and he's going to uh, the, the us is the basically the main demographic. So that's pretty cool. Um, what else? Uh, otherwise, I've just been, I've just got a whole list of stuff, um, you know, graphic uh, updates and whatnot um, for the show, for other stuff. And um, an <laughs> and another, um, another list of um, uh, collaborative uh, content creation. I know, Jason, you and I have to talk about that. I got some stuff at Bearded Nerd that I finally need to post, so... Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, pretty much more the same for me. I so, wait to get the Barry Bot's logo done over the. I, that is at the well, top list for finally. Yeah, for the <laughs> for the time <laughs> for the time for my own time this month. That's at the top of my list. Um, so yeah, and then so, we can anyway. and then we can finally celebrate Barry launching her own channel. Yes, women in D and D. I knew. I know it's coming. I know it is. Already women is. in gaming. Barry Bot's burial chamber of sinful gaming. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, uh, gods, these very gods, gods <laughs> and and whatnot. Uh, Sharon, lead us off on this discussion. We have. I don't think this is a subject that we have touched upon really at all yet in any of no. our. No. So I'm excited to talk about this with y'all. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Lawfully Chaotic. Tonight is a special episode. We are going to be talking about gods and deities. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know it? <laughs> After looking into uh, the topic of gods, there's around a hundred gods. <laughs> over over a hundred gods to choose from. Uh, yeah, and we're going to talk from. about every single one. Now we'll focus on. Well, you go ahead. You, I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay. So for those for the uninitiated, 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 uninitiated. Yeah. Everybody uninitiated. roll initiated. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uninitiate the roll. Um. So uh, there's actually so many gods out there that they've actually split it into uh, alignment categories. I know that a lot of people don't like to touch al alignment, but for these specific uh beings i think that's a good thing so i would like to roll out the red carpet for the following good gods good gods <laughs> good that's what you did there bahamut the good it literally says the good god of dragons good <laughs> god good god of dragons did you see the size of that dragon <laughs> it was bloody big and it's also known as the Platinum Dragon in Critical Role Land. And there's also Moradain, or is it Moradain or Moradain? I think it's Moradain. Uh, 
Morden? I, I think it depends on how anybody pronounces it. I pronounce it all over the place. Okay, so I'm going to say Moradin. Moradin, the dwarf god creation, which is also known as the Allhammer in Critical Role. Selun or Sayanin, which I thought they seem very similar because I noticed that for some of the gods that are used in Critical Role, they're uh, interchangeably used from like Greyhawk and other modules. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, Saloon is the elven goddess of the moon, or she's also known as the moon weaver in Critical Role. I think that's such an awesome title. Isn't that great? Moon weaver? Yeah, I do too. So cool. And then Cord is the god of athletics and sport in Greyhawk, which I thought was really interesting because the way I found out about Cord was in a Critical Role, and he's the storm lord. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, the, I thought the storm lord was the storm lord. Well, in Critical Role, he is the Stormlord, but in Greyhawk, uh, he's the god of athletics and gotcha, sport. Gotcha. I mean, it's he, he's pretty swole, so it goes both ways, I think. <laughs> he, he lifts, you know? He lifts. <laughs> so those are the a small little bite of the good gods. Now, there's actually a neutral ground for gods. It could go either chaotic good or chaotic bad. I'm a huge fan of Lovecraftian horror gods, like the great old one. Me, me too. Big time. Yeah. Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, so there's actually neutral gods that can go either way, and they're chaotic. <laughs> uh, lawfully chaotic. <laughs> so, uh, to... <laughs> I'm glad you guys caught that. Um, so for the neutral gods, we have Palor, which is the god of sun and healing. And it's also known as the God, the Godfather, the Godfather, <laughs> the Dawn Father in Critical Role. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you do this quest for me, I'll give you lots of gold and gems. <laughs> and if you refuse, then I think we're gonna have a problem. I know you're a famous dwarf. <laughs> I understand. Your family is a very dwarven family with many no. dwarven children. <laughs> <laughs> now we want the Godfather to be canon. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'll tell you what, if you do a good job, we'll give you more spells. If not, <laughs> do it yeah. for me. And and who else? Who else? My uh, favorite. Ooh, the Raven Queen, the yes. Matrix of Death. Which is interesting because she also kind of she's also kind of similar to the goddess Istis, uh, which is from Greyhawk, and she's uh, the mm -hmm. goddess of fate and destiny. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, see, we're all learning something. Well, one of the things I found very interesting the way Critical Role kind of did their um, god pantheon, which I thought yeah. was cool. They did a more traditional balance, you know, the nine betrayer gods to the nine prime gods. Mm -hmm. And that really helps when I write and when I want to narrate how those yeah. gods come and go. It really does make it a lot easier to influence. Um, it's one of the things I do like away, the way they uplifted their version of the Pantheon. Mm -hmm. And to Barry's point, if you go back like all the way, right? If you go back to um, Greyhawk and then uh, Forgotten Realms, yeah. there's actually a lot of wiki uh, wikis that help you with the whole Pantheon thing. And they tell you the version of conclusion and, you know, the version of Origin. So some guys stop at 3rd edition. Mm. Some make it all the way to 5th edition. So there's yeah. a spectrum of, like, a life cycle of how they develop the Divine. It's just so amazing. So many. 
Cool. And like, I thought it was interesting uh, looking all these gods up. Like, you can literally just cherry pick which gods you want in your mm -hmm. campaign, which I thought was really interesting because I, I initially thought that like, okay, you're gonna you're running this module, you have to stick with these gods as a set, mm. like a place that. <laughs> um, I I kind of feel that you know to that point because I like I like everything very structured. Mm -hmm. um and over the past you know number of recent years i've tried to break out of that a little bit and be a little more freeform and i think because as you guys said because there are so many gods in the in the the mythos of the game it's just too difficult to do that so i think you know i think cherry picking and just saying i'm going to use these and these and not worrying about it because really you know you think it would make sense you know there mm. could be there, there are gods all throughout history that were worshipped by certain groups who maybe, you know, uh, assimilated with other groups or ceased to exist or whatever. So, you know, I, I don't think it needs to be as um, structured as like Greek or Roman yeah. uh, pantheons. Um, and also... There was a pretty strong period in first and second edition where they brought in a lot of those gods yeah exactly i agree yeah. but i kind of like where it's just you know i need a god that fits this mold mm -hmm. you know pick that one um okay finish the list and then have a, a comment on alignment yes and last but certainly not least we have the evil category of gods first <laughs> up is grumpsh Grumish, Grumpsh. Grumpsh. Grumpy Grumpsh. The Orc God. He's the Orc God of storms and war. He is also the betrayer, the ruiner in critical role. I like the ruiner. Ooh. Yeah. Mercer is very good at coming up with names. Yeah. I've always oh. envied him that, that talent of coming up with well, names. He's sitting in his chair smoking weed with his with his wife. Well, yeah, he's my God, just, he's just this like God, yeah, let's put this, this God is like ruining everything. <laughs> oh wait, you know what I started doing? I have, I have, yeah. I have an ongoing <laughs> note uh, in my Apple Notes where mm -hmm. I, it's just names, D and D names, mm -hmm. and yeah. any time I think oh, of so one, fun. I immediately write it down because I can never yeah. remember. You know, when you're at the table and you're like, as good as I am at improv. I suck at improvising names. It's like, oh, uh, you meet a guy at, in the store. Like, oh, who are you? I'm, I'm, you know, John the Fighter. And, and it's like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm Mike. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're the fifth Mike I've met tonight. Exactly. <laughs> it's M Y K E this time. <laughs> well, if you see the spelling, it's very fantasy. <laughs> it's M Y K I E E E X E. The X is silent. Makes all play. <laughs> and we have Vecna, God of Evil Secrets. He's okay. also Go ahead. Is Vecna a god? That's Jiminy. exactly what I was gonna ask. I don't think what? Vecna is a god. Pop He's a the lesser brakes. deity though, right? <laughs> Pop the brakes. This is in Greyhawk. Oh, that's He's true. the god of evil. Yeah. You didn't oh, okay. even let me finish. That's fair. She's, <laughs> she's I mean, she's going back when me and you were in our early twenties reading the book. Yeah, come on, guys, you should already. <laughs> well, we're because oh, we're all farts. Balance. Sorry. Okay. He's he is the betrayer god, known as the whispered one in critical role. There, there's the betrayer. 
the whispered you're, one. You're that's, welcome. That's awesome too. Yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't consider Vecna a god because he was a mortal who ascended to. Well, he's the ascended one. Yeah, he's a lich though, technically, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he tried to become a god. Yeah. But it's an interesting, you know, interesting question. And well, then I mean, he can't die. Can he? No, he can't. He's already dead. I'm not dead. Most I'm only mostly oh, dead. I'm only mostly alive. I mean, mostly not alive. All right, and who's, who's last don't, on our list? Don't take me to the cart. <laughs> Bring out your dead. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, the flip side of Bahamut, we have Tiamat, the evil dragon god. Also known as the betrayer god, the scaled tyrant. I think that's in critical role that is awesome so after listing all these amazing gods both good bad and eh, these are like the main depending on a, yes yeah, like i is, said everyone small. there's over a hundred over a hundred gods and deities you didn't list joe the god of ice cream <laughs> Surprisingly enough, he's chaotic evil. <laughs> well, I think there's like a god that's called Blippity Boop or something. I, I was like, wait, that's a real god? I, I hey, have if to... you could have a superhero that uses polka dots, you could have a Blippity Boop god. That's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so alignment. I'd like to address the alignment issue. Because you, you mentioned that a lot of people don't like to get into alignment, alignment. gods. I personally well, think that that. I said I mean alignment for characters general, for gods. I think it's said. an yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Because I, I think alignment. Start a controversy. No, no, no. I think alignment <laughs> is the best way to to characterize gods because yeah. for very obvious reasons, kind of goes without saying. Um, and I actually feel that alignment is is, and I'm guilty of this too. But alignment is supremely underutilized in the game. That's because it's yeah. dumb and boring. Well, that's why I think it, it applies <laughs> really it, well no, for the no, gods. Is it, is it though? Yeah, it's dumb and boring. It is. I haven't well, used it since there's no mechanic. You know why it is? Because there's no mechanics behind it. Oh, I built a mechanic for it, and it was still dumb and boring. <laughs> See, this is why we don't talk about alignment. This is why I can't have nice things because I break them. <laughs> Uh, you you got me there. I had no response. You went stage left. For, yeah, for those listening, to the point of the gods having a sense of alignment. Yeah, like to me, I treat all gods as chaotic, even the good mm. ones, right? Because mm. when you're immortal, I kind of do too. And when you influence your playthings to the importance of their divinity being used by these playthings to give them power, right? So. You attract, um, you know, you you attract people to your divinity mm-hmm. and their religious zealots of you give you, as a god, give you your power, give you your ability to spread mm-hmm. your influence, right? So all gods are narcissists. They're all narcissists, no matter how you cut it. How very Greek of you. <laughs> no, I actually agree. <laughs> that's I, what my, they're all about my, <laughs> my view of the gods is very similar i i feel that you know no matter how good 
or 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 whatnot that they're all sitting up there and that they're all as much as they don't want to admit it they're all um they also come to the same foibles that we do like jealousy and um and anger and uh you know uh, like all of all of that stuff um if God's have alignment, they're all. <laughs> That's exactly why I pointed. Yeah. So yeah, I actually, I kind of, I, I hold that same view. That well, it's that, been a great yeah. show. We're all in agreement. Uh, we will see you guys next year. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have listed all the good, the bad, and the uh, if I'm on a good day or on a bad day, gods. Do you have to be a paladin or a cleric to serve a god? Can no. anybody just serve a god? How does that work? I think one I think of the things people... I like one of the things I like about divinity <laughs> is that however a player decides to build their character and utilize the idea of divinity, mm-hmm. I just assume that divinity is going to play out the way the char- the player wants it to play out. Therefore, I mean, it could be like one of the things I probably the most unique thing I loved about um, uh, what uh, Matt did with um, Jester's God, the Traveler, mm-hmm. is that, you know, the Fae often think they are gods to the other worlds, you know. So the 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 notion that gods, goddesses and divinity and all that is somehow a secular reality I think fifth edition pretty much tears down that wall. And I think it provides interesting flavor for a cleric and a paladin in their overall approach to their divinity. But I kind of feel like nowadays anyone could try to have a sense of divine in their character's backstory, mm-hmm. whether or not they have a focused magic that lets them truly embrace that divinity in a very kind of, you know, um, material way of their magic or divine magic or whatever you want to call it these days. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I live it all around. I think, uh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna mention yes, that. Can. I was just gonna Absolutely. mention that too. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Three Miles. Yeah, I, definitely I, I believe, yes. I include Warlock with clerics and paladins in terms of where they get their magic. Um, yeah. it might, it may not be divine, but it does come from a, an otherworldly entity. It's a pact. It's a pact, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think people get caught up on the paladin cleric only because, you know, that's where your magic comes from. But I think that, um, I, I actually have fun. two, I actually have two campaigns that are addressing this exact detail. Yeah. Fun. I, 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 I think. <laughs> Can I read the question? <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were saying. Well, technically I was still in the middle of, of a thought. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> What about a setting where there are no gods? Would that be possible? (laughs) Fucking, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is it. This is it. This is the end. I got her to cuss. That was awesome. Brian, how about you talk? (laughs) How about you answer that question? Anyways, you heard nothing. In in terms, in terms of. You know, the question, does only a cleric or a paladin, you know, get to serve a god or whatever? Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. I think I think it depends on on the player. If the player wants that as part of their backstory and they role play it, then I think it's a really awesome opportunity to bring that into the game with, you know, inspiration or mm. 
you know, or, or penalties if, if you, you know, if you, you know, develop a character that is really devout and you stray from the path, maybe it affects the actual character in the game. So I, I think it could be brought in for any character and utilized in a very cool way. I don't think it has to be, you know, but for characters that specifically say, I want this as part of my background, then I think it's, like I said, a really cool opportunity to actually bring that into the game itself. Okay, I'm done. Mm. <laughs> well, I think it's a good subject matter too, because the, the game that shares in, there's a lot of betrayer gods in that mm -hmm. one. Um, so the grain land, I really got a chance to toy with the opposite side of the divinity table, right? What does it mean to play in a, in a land where the dominant god kind of context are the betrayer gods? Does Mira you, does Mira have a god she worships? I I I think she does, doesn't she, Bear? Uh, she originally I, didn't. Uh, she didn't have any god to worship, but then the Wild Mother um, mm. decided to uh, say hi. <laughs> and Mira's like, hey, and then that's pretty much it right now. Hello. <laughs> well, I, cool. and I think when we did that whole thing with you planting the tree as an homage yeah. to the fallen, when you guys um, did that whole interaction with closing that gate, and that, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Cher, there's been a general absence of the divine gods, like the prime gods. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. if you've noticed that. Like almost like um uh uh Fatal's character's god is Grimash. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Barry's as as Mira has toyed with the idea of dabbling with the Wild Mother, but the group is so transfixed on dealing preventing these nine betrayer gods from concluding the calamity that it becomes um, you know, it becomes kind of center that the betrayer gods are the more common theme for, for that game right now. Yes. And Flanfro says D and D with no, that wasn't me that time. Both hands, right? <laughs> D and D with no gods would be something I'd be interested in. So when playing D and D, do you have to have gods involved? I don't or, think so. Or do you, can you have multiple gods in a campaign and does that break the balance in some way? Again, I don't think because there's no true mechanic, I, I don't think there really are any rules regarding gods in the game whatsoever. Really? It's completely story driven in my opinion. I think there's so, a I think there's a backstory mechanic that helps. Um, one of the things that I find very clever about what my, Matt did was that in his history of the of Alexandria, he actually limits the abilities of the gods, right? So when they close the divine gate uh, for the last time after Calamity and the betrayer gods are sent back to their prisons um, after Calamity, the only thing that works is influence. So mm -hmm. they're using their influence to try to gain access to followers and fellowship. So to a certain degree, by making it an influence-driven mechanic, it becomes a lot simpler i think sometimes to you know ha have multiple god influences come into play interesting and um <coughs> with the nature of gods uh to put into example uh with aligning gods to your player characters or you know for your players in the game mm -hmm. um 
do you match the alignment of the gods with that character? And how do you interact as a god to your players? Because in Critical Role, Caduceus and the Wild Mother... 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 <laughs> wild Mother. Wild Mother. <laughs> We're going into Godfather territory here. Caduceus yeah. um. <laughs> and the Wild Mother, you know, they go together, but they, they, they left different, but they're the same. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to Jersey? You're going to go get that to Jersey, or you're going to come down here to the Bronx? Because uh, I'm yeah. just saying. The, the Godfather father and the Wild Mother. <laughs> Uh, so with Caduceus and the Wild Mother, like they had a very interesting kind of like relationship or dynamic, I would say, because he was able to communicate with her and vice versa, like through the environment. And she didn't even necessarily directly talk to him. It was literally mm -hmm. just like cues that he would interpret from her. Like he would mm -hmm. get good feelings or bad feelings, depending on what she sends to him as like a sign. Yeah. And then when uh, speaking about Jester and the Traveler, like you could tell that their relationship is way more personal. It's very intimate. Mm -hmm. And like she directly talks to him. I mean, they're like literally besties as a, well, I mean, because mm, the Traveler isn't really a god, but still, but he's a deity. So... Well, is I he... mean, that, that, that you bring up a good point, Bear, because in a game, what defines divine mm -hmm. is it something that somebody believes in and then via magical influence grants that person divine powers that thing that they believe in so whether it's something you believe in the fey whether it's something you believe in the shadow fell or a traditional divine presence i think you just kind of answered a very good way of comparing caduceus mm -hmm. and jester's relationship with their understanding of the divine yeah, and, and it's very different, like completely different, both of them. But like, but somehow it works so well. It makes sense for the character to have a deity like that communicating with them in that way. Mm -hmm. um, so my question is, for you guys DMing gods to your players, how do you approach uh, that aspect with your players, Brian? So again, I, I think, again, it's it's... Even when Matt does that, it's story driven. It's very natural, and it's 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 just part of the way he tells the story for each of those yeah. characters, and it fits mm -hmm. their person. It fits the characters' personalities, both Caduceus and Jester's. Yeah. Um, I kind of look at gods in terms of alignment, and you know, and how they interact, and can you do you have to be the same alignment as your god? I kind of look at it as, you know, a, a little bit of like a, a Venn diagram. You know, so like if you have a neutral God, then your mm -hmm. character could be any alignment. If you have a lawfully good God, probably he's not going to accept anybody that isn't at least neutral or, or, you know, or to the left. Right. Gotcha. Same thing with a, with a, a lawful evil God. Although I could see that going either way. They may, they may use somebody who is good. Um, yeah. Deceive them. Better. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, I think that's the beauty of this aspect of the game is you can really tailor it to drive the story the way you need to and not have to worry about a whole lot of mechanics that, that drive it or dictate it. Um, like, I, you know, I mentioned the Raven Queen is my favorite. One reason is because she's so neutral and can 
you know, can literally flip from good to evil, right? Yeah. On a whim. Um, and there's just so much canon behind her. And, and I, I have her in almost every one of my campaigns. Oh, in some that's point. cool. Because, you know, again, it's, it's a great way to, um, you know, to kind of steer the story or just another tool to steer the story um, to you. Hi, Dorito. <clears throat> hey, Andrew, what's up? How you doing? <sighs> I will say this much. In season two, so spoiler alert, but not a major spoiler. Um, in season two, Caduceus successfully has a divine intervention moment. That completely changed the difficulty of an outcome. They could have spent 10 sessions, risk TPK and everything, trying to find that entrance. But yeah, that was amazing. That was an amazing example of when you decide the very beginning of your campaign structure to um, have a healthy relationship with godlike pantheons from a character's perspective. Mm-hmm. As a DM, you're ex- you're accepting the responsibility of how to handle that potential one percent outcome, and that right. outcome could could really influence a great deal of that written work that you've just prepared over the you know the course of those potential interventions. Less likely to happen near the beginning, but incrementally it becomes more possible as the you know the laws of averages will eventually catch up to you. And the probabilities will eventually catch up to you. Let me ask you this. Um, and it's funny we're talking about this because in my campaign that I'm, you know, that I'm going to start, you know, very quickly, very soon after the first of the year, <laughs> yeah. I want you guys in. Uh, this actually plays a big part in that story, gods and, and deities. Hmm. Do you guys, uh, do you consider... You know, back to Vecna, right? Is he really a god? If somebody can't die, what separates them from gods? Yada, yada, yada. Do you consider, like, devils and (laughs) demons to be gods? Hmm. Hmm. I think to a certain extent, I would think, because, like, you can make agreements with them, no? Just like the devil of the crossroads, you make a pact Mm -hmm. with your soul. And you have to do kind something of. in return. I mean, if you think about a warlock, you know, that they get their powers through that pact. I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, my gods are so shady. And I don't, Even and I don't, like, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying specifically would hmm. you use that label to classify them, but can you utilize them as gods in your game? Like Asmodeus, for instance. Why yeah. You, I would you think have? so. I, I like, for example, one of my favorite things to do is to multi layer, like put in multiple angles of why someone's a big bad, right? Yes. So if you could imagine an ancient red dragon that's gone mad and inadvertently thought Asmodeus was, you know, the, you know, the dragon god, right? Mm-hmm. Tiamat. It, it, it offers up a storyline that's really interesting, you know, because you could, what is Asmodeus looking for? You know, why is this ancient red dragon convinced that Asmodeus is Tiamat? And how can that be a setting for your players coming into a situation like that? What does it do? Mm-hmm. Um, does it automatically mean a cleric somehow has extraordinary abilities because they're facing 
divine, whether they be, you know, good or bad divine, divinity is divinity. You don't really need to label it. It's divine power. Um, and yeah, I'll get mm. to that in a minute because I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, when, when you, when you make the decision to accept a player's understanding of what they think divinity means as creative as it allows you to be, it also requires the highest degree of adaptive skill to respond to a player's mood changing. Cause I have seen a lot of players mm. fall out of love with their character because they overdid it with the divine. Suddenly That's they felt like divinity was playing their character and not themselves. That's interesting that you say that because if you recall back in uh, campaign two for critical role, mm -hmm. uh, Ford had mm -hmm. a pact with Ukatoa and yeah. that later kind of soured for the character himself. And uh, Caduceus was the one who offered the olive branch for the wild mother, which I thought was interesting because I didn't really think that like you could switch deities like that. Mm -hmm. And especially because Ukutoa was like a very kind of like evil apparent God or is Ukutoa a God? I don't, you know what? We're going to, we're going to work on that later. I'm sure that he is. <laughs> well, that's a good lead into yeah. uh, three, to three miles question. Yeah, yeah. At what point is it more, you know, what is the definition of God in the game? Mm -hmm. Well, and like, for example, if you're uh, like another really good example of how um, uh, Matt handled an interloping uh, creature into the prime material plane, right? The the creature that hung out at the base of a volcano was being treated like a god. Yeah. But it clearly mm -hmm. wasn't a god. Mm -hmm. Right. It was fleeing its ancestral plane of existence Mm -hmm. Because the mad city of Aeor was drifting through the plains and causing fear amongst those that couldn't, that didn't want to get absorbed by this thing, right? So it found a safe haven in the prime plane and then figured out a way to manipulate the local um, uh, population to feed their greed and to feed their sense of how they attain their power. And to a certain degree, they could have used their sense of magic to allow someone to appear divine and therefore establish the idea of being a God, but they clearly destroyed the creature. Well, yeah. would, I mean, it depends on the setting and the context too. On Krypton, mm -hmm. Superman's not a God. It could be argued that here he's a God. Yeah. I ta yeah. It, it really is on perspective. Really? Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, I don't think that there's any, you know, I don't think that there's any, I mean, there are the classic, you know, Zeus, yeah, he's a god. But what makes Zeus any different than, you know, Vecna or somebody, you know? I, I think I think that, that the the definition of a god is, comes down to challenge rating. <laughs> well, that and also like the setting or higher, of, you're a god. <laughs> and also like the setting of your campaign, really, because like that's how you're able to dictate what is a god and what isn't. Because yeah. like you I, could make a, a grand demon a a really evil god. Well, I think, and I, I think Three Mob brings up another good point related related to immortality, right? So one of the things I like to play with a lot is that gods never really want to leave their plane of existence because that's where their power is derived from. Mm -hmm. 
in the hierarchy of gods, Ayun has died multiple times. And when really? she dies, she returns to the weave. And then eventually the weave will select a new goddess to represent Ayun. Right? So the idea of the perpetual magic veil mm-hmm. is always self-sustaining. I never knew um, that. So one of the things I really love about the immortal um, complex is that they may be immortal on their plane of existence, but when they like when they become an avatar because they want to interact with a certain plane of existence, their avatar certainly is not immortal. Their avatar <laughs> is very much subject to the rules of the plane of existence that they're on, that they're visiting. And sometimes what happens is that if they do that too frequently, it weakens them back on their original plane of existence. And then the jealous gods see this weakness as opportunity. And then it creates a theme of conflict, a theme of gods versus gods. And sometimes, you know, if you look at like, I mean, the Greek and and Nordic gods are always a classic example of Mm. just, you know, hierarchical jealousy and, you know. They're very human. That's it. The representation of human emotion really is what they are. Uh, and I don't really treat D and D gods all that differently, right? You know, the the Raven Queen is so much fun because she is the god of death. You can't have life without death, right? You can't have death without life. So I typically pair her with the Dawn Father, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the Dawn Father that kind of represents the rising sun and the beginning of a new day and the beginning of life. And then you have the setting sun, which is, you know, the matron of death, you know, the termination of, you know, and then you have the moon that rises to keep death at bay. And then you have the sun that rises to, you know, absolve everybody of the perpetual idea of life. Right. So you can use the natural environment. You can use the different gods to have different expressions of how your players and how that world is like, you know, consuming all that detail. And setting yeah. the notion. Of you know divinity. what's interesting? Mm. I, I really think that the creators of the game put the gods in there as a story element. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, has never, story there element. has never been a stat block for a god in the game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I was that, just uh, about to ask that. Deities like, and demigods, second edition, did put stat block. For oh. ma- the major gods? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, deities and demigods. That book on my wall. Very, I have it somewhere, but yeah, that book was very much their first attempt because okay. then they released a lot of. They released the immortal planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know the battles of the immortals. They started to really realize that there was a whole content. Okay, but since A, B, and D and deities and demigods, it's never yeah. been broached again. In not that really. Way. Yeah, right. not really. So yeah, I think it's fair really. to say that that they didn't want to put them in a box in a stat, you know, a stat block box mm. and a challenge rating box because of that very reason, because then it takes all the store, the story ability. <laughs> um, uh, it takes all the narrative out of it, you know? Well, so I will I, say I, one of the things that I love the most that I'd love to get both your takes on this as a potential future campaign that Barry might be in with me when we mm-hmm. wrap up Grain Lands. But what are your thoughts on Oathbreakers? The idea of an Oathbreaker. I think it's awesome. 
I think, again, it's it's an opportunity for a super, super rich backstory and personal journey um, that can either be the impetus for an entire campaign or, you know, a parallel storyline um, for one character. I think I think it, it is a fantastic um, tool to use. Would you play an Oathbreaker share as a character? For those that don't play D&D or if it's their first time, Jason, what is an Oathbreaker? And is it only for a pal paladin class? I think it originated that way. I think it originally became a really fun mechanic for paladins that fall out of favor or purposely fall out of favor with the divine. Mm -hmm. um, however, I think it's an easy mechanic to use in multiple ways. Yeah. Uh, whether you're a cleric, um, you know, a, a paladin or a druid, mm -hmm. or if you, if you use your belief in a divine, to access your magic ability, if you choose to break that oath, I think it offers up a lot of creative outcomes for sure. So is that technically a reset button for it me? can be, I think. It I think be. I think like you could even be an oath breaker with your pact. Right? You could decide to break that oath, lose all your powers, and then have a really different way of playing out your character from that point. So I mean, I'm I'm sorry for referencing Critical no. Role so much, but but was Ford technically an Oathbreaker? Technically, then? he was a Sea yeah, Paladin. I mean, he he became hmm. a Sea Paladin because of his transitional relationship from the journey that he was on. Mm -hmm. So even though he broke an oath of the journey that he thought he was on, he hadn't committed to that oath yet. Oh. That oath was in flux. It was part of his mm -hmm. story. Yeah. And I think Travis genuinely didn't like the story. I don't think yeah. he I don't think he enjoyed it. I think he 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 saw it as a story that was going to lead him down a path that he just wasn't comfortable with. Yeah, and you that's know, okay it, to do. Yeah. It's interesting because he was one of my favorite characters from season 2 along with mm -hmm. Caleb. And I think they did a really really awesome job of, of handling that transition. I mean, it yeah. was perfectly natural. Me personally, this is just my opinion. I did not like the switch. I loved Ford, the, the warlock. I did not like him after the transition at all. To me, all of the intrigue, all of the, the conflict just went right out the window. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. glad he did it to maintain interest in his character. And I don't fault him for that, but just for me as a watcher, um, I, I thought it ruined the character personally. I wanted to see that story play out. Yeah. And, and I think that's why they're uh, releasing the Ukatoa Chronicles out on uh, the YouTube channel. Yeah. Wait, so you're saying a pact is on the same level as an oath? Swamp I think so. They're synonyms. It's just, it's semantics. I yeah. think so. I think the only traditional difference is that sometimes that pact comes with an immediate penalty, where usually if you break an oath, the penalty right. is more subdued. Yes. So if you break really? a pact yeah. with a very dark force and they decide that they're going to take your soul because you broke the pact. Mm-hmm. That's very different than if um, if Pike decided to not be involved with Saren Ray anymore. If, mm -hmm. if she lost her faith, she'd mm -hmm. be on a new journey to discover either a new faith 
or just yeah. no longer have a have a faith. The word but pact, pact, pact the word, can be very unique. It the word pact is just a game mechanic. Yeah, that's all it is. It's a warlock game mechanic, but it's it's synonymous with oath, in my opinion. Just at it, it's can, generally yeah. generally where an oath is is in the light, a pact is in the dark. Traditionally, in terms of the game, but it's, it's yeah, the same. There you go. I. Yeah, I don't know. It, it packed is a tough one because I have a lot more fun. No, actually, I would sometimes. three miles. I would I would say it's the opposite. I would say an oath is more mutual. You are giving, you are you are giving that God that God is giving you their favor, and you are giving that God your faith. A pact I see is more submissive. Like you got to do your part, or I'm going to fuck you up, or else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I push back on that a little bit. I think. I think the idea of a character falling into an oath related to their faith could be very one-sided from their point of view. Desperation, anger, revenge, justice. There could be a very emotional constraint to what pushed them towards that oath. A lot of times I think a pact is a little bit more, I want power. And if you can give me that power then I'll make my pact with you. But if your power isn't good enough, I may break my pact with you. And then the, the, the pact keeper will look at that subject and go, I will give you all the power you deserve mm-hmm. as long as you continue to make me more powerful where I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that mutual understanding of what power means makes pacts a little bit more unique. Just a little yeah. bit more unique. I, I still think that even that, the difference between the two is semantics. Um, but uh, it's interesting to look at it both ways, definitely. Well, yeah, but, and, uh, Sorry, go ahead, Bear. It's okay. And actually, uh, you make an interesting point because the next question was, uh, Are when you use these gods, are they a guide or an, an essential plot point in your campaigns? Like when you speak about, uh, you know, oaths and packs, like is that... Like an incest, wow, words tonight, guys. <laughs> uh, is it an essential plot point in your campaigns when you use those gods for those specific packs or oaths? Like, is that the theme? Again, I think it, it depends on the story and, and the campaign. Can mm. you fight a god? Wait, yeah, you. Mm, can you? Well, I mean, the, you know, Tiamat. You could, I mean, they built a whole structure, a series of modules. You can, you can eventually fight. You take on Tiamat. You can, yeah, you can, you can fight a the personification or the proxy of that god. I the mean, avatar, yeah, yeah. Again, I, I don't know. I just, I see gods as just, com- as just a very open-ended aspect of the game that that is extremely open to interpretation. And I, yeah. I don't, I don't think they fall under any specific. Um, rules they're malleable I mean, yeah i mean yeah. from a from a campaign mechanic they make for interesting cults mm-hmm. um they make for interesting ways of creating subtext and kind of creating passive tones of influence throughout different kingdoms you know i was just, the, yeah, I was just gonna say it can it can it can dictate the the uh the feel of a city or a, a kingdom you know how they react to those uh who don't subscribe to their beliefs i mean it's just uh well in the dwindle empire 
you know, based on the accounts of Manfred and the dealing of the holy cults and the unholy cults, it led the Dwindals to believe that the only certain gods should be sanctioned. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in Vasselheim, mm-hmm. you have, you know, a theocracy, um, you know, of Othansia. Othansia is basically a theocracy. Um, and I think you could create really fun campaigns around the idea of their influence and the idea of their interpretation and do something really fun. Like when a champion of the, of the moon goddess comes down to punish everybody for trivializing, you know, trivializing gods. Mm-hmm. That was Matt Mercer's message to, to the party. If you think it's funny running around making fun of gods, here's a little reminder about how fucking powerful they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it was only Jester's love and absolute Laura Bailey killer high persuasion roles that saved the Traveler. Matt was ready to kill the Traveler. Mm-hmm. He would have killed the Traveler that night. Yeah. Or the Moonweaver. Thanks, Swamp Thing. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, the Moonweaver sent her champion. I uh, I love that scene, that was, too. To me, that was the most ingenious way to remind a group of adventurers your actions have consequences either mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. The open world theme is super healthy when it comes to divinity. Super yeah. healthy. Yep. I agree. And I yeah, also like the fact that they don't, that there are no stat blocks anymore because mm-hmm. you can basically, you know, uh, you're, you're a God. So, you know, rolls, <laughs> dice rolls be damned. If you want to punish somebody, you know, uh, you're boom. You're you're punished. Yeah, <laughs> they will smite you down. <laughs> you are smoting. You are smoting on a giant pile of smoke. <laughs> well, that just about wraps up our uh, gods and all things chaotic, evil, and lawfully chaotic. <laughs> That's a really bad transition, but you guys I see what you did. It, okay? That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty okay. cool. It's good. good. <laughs> and we're saying goodbye to 2022, everybody. Yes, yes. We are uh, on should we do this, and we won't be back till next year. Rollies. 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 2022. All right. Cry with Rick and Morty again. Here we go. Oh, damn it! Oh, I thought that was a four. That's a twenty. I got ah. a six. You're up, B. B. Bry. Big Bry. That is a natural twenty. Yeah, where's oh. Bitter Staff? <laughs> um, so hey, as, I was, that was from the crowd. That wasn't for me. As so, as Jason said, thank you all for. Oh, that's oh, that's right. That's I'm right. On it. I wasn't following. <laughs> okay, but we're gonna. You. So I'm making a promise to the entire gaming community that that Sharon will have Mirror Staff done for our next mm-hmm. show in 2020 for, for our season mm-hmm. premiere. <laughs> um as uh as uh you guys said um we say goodbye to 2022 um everybody have a safe and happy and healthy and game filled holiday season merry christmas happy hanukkah happy new year and all of the other um holidays that that everyone celebrates uh this month and um yeah that's I'm a little sad for some reason. What the fuck is with that? <laughs> Bye, Flynn. 
And Merry Christmas, everyone! <laughs> um, Sharon, where can we find you now and always? Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> I always like to stretch my arms out. It's, it's just such a good episode. That's the druid in you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us for another final episode. Not <laughs> another episode that is the final episode of Lawfully Chaotic. Uh, you can find me here over on Instagram at BarryBot, and you could also catch me on Saturdays on the Twitch and YouTube channels at the Grain Lands campaign, helmed by the storyteller here, uh, Jason. I, <laughs> I play as a druid Calistar named Mira. Catch and me what there. level are you now, Mira? 20. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> You're a god. Oh, uh, see, what it all level comes are you now? Full circle. Uh, fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. Yeah. So please join us on Saturday, four p.m. to seven p.m. Pacific time. Jason, where can we find you? You can always find me over at uh, my Twitch channel, where all my social links are at uh, TTRPG Academy. Over on the Twitter space, as long as. Elon can keep the lights on and things don't go completely. <laughs> Elon can keep the um, lights on. Um, but yeah, you can find us. We have a very healthy Discord. Uh, you can pop into our Discord, hang out with us, and play and learn and teach and have a lot of fun playing games because that's that's what we do. Where can we find you, Brad? Uh, RPG and Co on Instagram is the easiest place to find me. But head over to Linktree slash rpgandco.com and um, check out my website, check out my shop, uh, shoot me a message. I always love to chat with anybody about anything game related. Um, and uh, otherwise, uh, once again, happy holidays, happy new year. We will see you in January. I'm sorry. Season two, episode one. Until then, be kind, play games and happy new year. Bye, everyone. Happy holidays. <laughs>